Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Welcome back to another episode of Hello, Vineyard, where we answer your Vine Press questions. I uh, got a good, good lineup of questions. I was looking through. It's going to yeah. be fun to hear your explanations. But we always like to have a little small talk before we jump right in. How you doing there, Bob? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, things are things are going well. It's been a been a busy. See, I said that last week too. I remember saying. I I've think every week's pretty much busy. But the, you know, everybody's busy. So yeah, yeah. Like, nobody really cares if you're busy. Yeah, I know. Just do your stuff. Just do your stuff and quit complaining because you only work one day a week. Yeah. Uh, Same. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so no, all is good. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Church was good this weekend. It did. It went really it well. Fun. Enjoyed it. Yes. And you can see the, the summer crowd is in. Yeah, but still. The winter crowd has flown back I'm north. Very happy, though. The, the attendance is good, considering what we've been through. Yeah. What everybody's blessed been with the, yeah. our attendance. And uh, I'm so grateful. You know, I, I think I've said I have friends who, wow, just they're. Uh, churches just, you know, still at 25% and of where they were. And that's significant when you think about, you know, people that have labored for years to, you know, make their churches healthy and it's a big setback. But God is good and we'll bring it all back. And, and uh, we're looking forward to, to even figuring that out with us. You know, uh, we're getting ready to do a big outreach, actually, I think this Saturday with our first round of hurricane buckets. Oh, fun. So... That's planned for Saturday, and the big um, big food truck that we're getting is is on, is on schedule, I think, for next month. So all those things are uh, things that we're looking forward to and should be uh, help us to have a big impact and invite people back in and more chairs. We ordered more chairs; they should be here. So I'm just waiting to see them when they shipped. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll yeah. uh, up our chair total. Um, this so he usually sends me the questions, and I believe we answered this question last week. Let me see. It's uh, this one here. Hang on. This is our live feel to it. We keep in these things. Do I need to turn up the brightness for you? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the questions I sent you. That's that's the one before. I didn't. Okay, so, so I have the wrong questions. See, I should. I'm pretty sure I sent you the right one. So let's make sure we have the right questions before we jump in. I bet. I think you did. Five twenty-five. There, there you go. go. That's okay. That's wow. That was so not a boomer issue. No, that was a millennial thing. <laughs> I, I assumed it couldn't have been me, and it was me. And so there you go. On that mark, <laughs> that rarely have wait. Note the date and time: ten ten fifty four on I, May twenty fifth. There was a a millennial mistake. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> All right. <laughs> First question. You guys ready for this? Here we go. Do you mm. also find it interesting in Matthew chapter twenty verses twenty through twenty eight? Uh, James and John's mother asked for special positions in Jesus' kingdom. Uh, and we see in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45, James and John asked Jesus about these places of honor. Uh, either way, Jesus' answers was astounding, and it makes them examine their life and motive when it comes to the service in his kingdom. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I touched on this in part of the weekend. I don't remember which weekend. And uh, I may not have done it in all the services. So... Um, it's an interesting story. James and John are, uh, they go to Jesus and say, listen, when you enter your glory, we'd like to be at your, at your left and your right. And I, I think in the, in the message I kind of said, you know, well, hopefully they had good motive. But most likely they were, there was this argument about who was the greatest in the kingdom. But significantly, what they were thinking of was that his glory, um, as far as they would have understood it, 
would have been when he was made king of Israel and that he would be ground king of Israel and then politically uh, and militarily he would overthrow the Romans and reestablish the kingdom of Israel to its former glory in, in times of David. So they were thinking it was something that was going to happen right then. So, and what they were asking for without them realizing it to be at his right and his left um, happens and Jesus ultimately says, no, I'm not going to do that for you. Um, but those, those, uh, those positions are already given. Jesus is crowned king of Israel um, when those soldiers are mocking him and they stick that crown of thorns on his head. And when, he's cro- when he goes up on the cross and the sign goes up, this is the king of the Jews. See, technically, that's when Jesus is made king of Israel. And um, there on his right and his left, those positions were the two people crucified with him. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure at that point, John and James would have been glad that they didn't yeah, get that, right. that what they were thinking was going to happen. Um, and, you know, and that those two people have significant impact, right? Because one repents and one doesn't. And they represent, you know, sinners, uh, criminals. I always, one, one, uh, one Good Friday service, I was invited to do a Good Friday, one Good Friday thing. And I, I got up and, and uh, kind of a conservative group, if you would. And, uh, and I, I said, I called them all criminals. <laughs> <laughs> You're all criminal. And then I said, this matters which kind are you. And uh, they, uh, they didn't really appreciate it. I never got invited back. Anyway, um, you know, the story is we all are criminals because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they, the picture represented on the right and the left is, is about who repents and who doesn't. So, um, yes, it's fascinating. Yes, it does help us to examine our motive. Sometimes we think that we've got some great ideas for the kingdom. And God says no. And there's reasons behind it. And I think what I said in the sermon was there's... Um, you know, God knows what he's doing, always knows what he's doing. You have to trust him. And we don't always know what we're doing. So we sort of yield to him. But great question. Great question. Next one. Uh, could you please explain Psalm 76, verse 10? How does God's wrath bring him praise? Did I send you the passage? I don't have the passage, but I can read it off of yours. If you it want says, to. Uh, this is 8 through 10. From heaven you pronounced judgment, and the land feared and was quiet. When you, O God, rose up to judge to save all the afflicted of the land, surely your wrath against men brings you praise, and the survivors of your wrath are restrained. Yeah, so um, when, you, when you look at verse 10, uh, how does his wrath bring him praise? You, you hook it into verse 9, and, and the purpose of his wrath was, to, um, was ultimately to save the afflicted of the land. And so, so God was exercising his wrath against the enemies there, uh, who were oppressing Israel in order to um, fight against those enemies on Israel's behalf. And, and so the result then would be that the Israelites who were saved would praise God. And also the, um, the enemies that managed to survive God's wrath, they'd also be, um, they'd make sure that they didn't go back after Israel again. So, so this was a picture of how that works and, and um, what that looks like. There's another question coming up about God's wrath too, so we'll, uh, I'll wait for that and um, I think answer there. I think it's this next one. So, uh, I know you keep saying God's will, desire, or this person knows you keep saying God's desire is to dwell with his people, but it seems like God also has a desire for his people to obey him. Uh, they continue to read through numbers, and it seems like God is always sending snakes or plagues or telling <laughs> Moses to hang all the people who disobeyed. Yeah, Exodus will do numbers yeah. will do that to you. Uh, God will save a remnant, but that usually happens after thousands of the children of Israel have died. Jesus seems to pick this theme up in Matthew chapter seven, verses thirteen through twenty-nine, and chapter twenty-five. 
Uh, do you think God's wrath is as much a part of this story as is his love? In, in the sense that, um, yes, and, you know, Matthew 7, that's the enter by the narrow gate. Uh, obviously, God wants us to obey. Uh, you know, it's, it's the heart of God. It's, it's, he, he, because he only tells us, what, you know, this is how I want you to live for your sake so you have life. We're the rebellious people, and we go and do our own way all the time. And, and there is consequence for that, and you see the consequence throughout the Old Testament. And, and so, you know, the, 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 the wrath of God is a real thing, right? The, what you have to remember, though, is that he, he ultimately takes that wrath upon himself at the cross. So he makes a way for us, uh, even though we deserve it. You know, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. Uh, all, you know, all, all those things are dead. That was two different passages there. But, um, uh, the, so there is this, that, that our rebellion has to be dealt with. Um, and, and ultimately what we have in Christ is that he deals with it. Because he takes it all on. He satisfies all that. And then makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. And, and so, you know, in the Old Testament, you're seeing that, that sin, there's consequences to sin. And, and you're seeing it displayed. Um, but it never changes. See, that's why you've got to look at the bigger picture, right? Because God's, from the beginning, God's heart was to dwell with us. That's what happened in Genesis. We're the ones that have messed it up all along. We've gone and rebelled and done our own thing. And we basically told God, we're going to do it our own way. And yet, he pursues us, he loves us, he fixes it at the cross, he's going to make a way back. The kingdom's inaugurated. Life is always better for us when we go his way, do it his way, live his way. Um, we tend to struggle about that, and we often make decisions and go our own way and do, do things that we shouldn't. Um, fortunately for us, now in Christ, that wrath has been satisfied um, for us who believe. Um, and that's why we want to encourage everybody to believe. Because, uh, you, you know, ultimately there is a judgment. Um, now, I like to think of judgment as th- that he's going to come back and make everything right. But it will be a different experience for people that don't know him. Um, and and I, don't, I don't want to focus there because I'm going to pray that, uh, that because we love everyone well and we do this thing the best we can, that we're going to get as many people that know him when he comes back as possible. And I'd rather look forward to that than to think about all the ones that don't. Uh, and, and so, um, yes, but, and you have to understand his wrath to really get how, how amazing his love is. And so you have to kind of understand that they both are working together in that whole story. Nice. Great explanation. Next question. Uh, In Numbers 31, when the Midianite men were destroyed in battle, Moses told the Israelites to kill the boys, presumably because they would grow up and seek vengeance, and also women who had slept with a man. Why did Moses give virgins to the Israelite men when these girls were from a pagan tribe who they should not be marrying? All right, so to hold that whole story in context, what you have to understand is that... um, we talked, I think, the other day about Balaam and uh, and what was going on with him. The um, and he um, he was a, a prophet, but he was also apostate, and he ultimately leads uh, is, is responsible ultimately for Israel going way off there in uh, uh, Peor uh, uh, um, and um, Peor, pardon me, and and. You have to go back into Numbers 25-ish, I think, and read about what happened. Well, the the the, the Midianite women were um, 
also responsible because they um, sort of seduced the men of Israel um, in, into immoral practices and led them astray to worship Baal that way. Um, and so this was a this was a big thing. So that was the the weapon that they used, if you would, was that they seduced the men of Israel, um, and the men of Israel went for it, and many of them, and then um, worshipped Baal. So the the way that was dealt with was all of the Midianite men were killed, um, and and then ultimately all of the women except for the virgins, because they would have been saying that these were the women that, that were responsible for leading the people of Israel astray in, in worship there. Um, and, and then the, the virgins wouldn't have been involved in that practice, obviously. Um, but, but, you know, it wasn't that they were then set aside for marrying men. They would have just been um, taken in as sort of servants. So it wasn't okay to um, for them to be. They weren't given as as in that way. They were supposed to be uh, that they were um, you know not responsible for what happened, so they could be spared in order to become servants. And if you go and you read in um, sort of Deuteronomy, uh, it's uh, Deuteronomy twenty-ish maybe when they're talking about what happens in these battles, and that there are some battles where everything is supposed to be. Everyone is wiped out. There are other places where there are certain things because of what they've done where you, you can keep some of the spoils for yourself. Um, and that includes, you know, servants and stuff. Uh, and um, in, in this particular battle, which would have been the one, the last one Moses was responsible for, he was upset initially when they came back um, with, with these women and stuff because he thought they should have just wiped out everything. But they sort of compromised with all, all the men and the women that would have been responsible for leading Israel astray uh, is how that worked out. So that's, that's kind of the issue. But you read, um, read all those chapters in context, going back to Numbers 25 or so, and then that story kind of fits together pretty well. All right. We got uh, one more question. Mitty for this one? Yep. As far as I've got. Uh, in Numbers chapter 30, going back a chapter from the previous one, uh, concerning vows made by women. These could be nullified by her father or her husband if they overhear her making a vow. What sort of vow might this be? Is the nullification a protective issue of care for the woman, a safety issue, or is it a control issue that men have over women in the OT, Old Testament culture? Okay, so um, the general principle in Numbers 30 is that, uh, if you read it in verse 2, that um, you, you, you can't break your word. You have to do everything that you say. It's the importance of keeping uh, your word. The, and particularly when you, when you um, make a vow or a pledge to God, how important it is that you keep that and don't break it. And so vows, um, as I understand them, they're positive promises to give something to God, like a sacrifice. A pledge uh, are generally promises to abstain from particular things like food. So... You have vows and pledges that people make. And the deal is, if you make one, you need to keep it. Okay. Uh, and so then there's several sort of situations then that fire up the rest of the chem uh, chapter about women in different situations. One is if uh, since it's a young woman who's still living in her father's house. If she makes a vow or a pledge in the earshot of her father and, and he doesn't agree with it, he can stop it right there. Um, <clears throat> 
so she's not any she's no longer responsible for it in the sight of God. Let me let me tell there's three things and then I'll tell you why there there is that thing. Um and then there's if if a, a young woman has made a vow or pledge that was while she was in her father's house and he was okay with it, when she gets married, if the husband finds out about it, he's not okay with it, he can nullify it then. Uh, and then uh the last is um a married woman uh, living with her husband, and it's kind of the same thing, verses 10 through 16. Uh, when the husband hears about it, um, if he's silent, the vow is so, but if not, then he can step in and do something. So so why would that be an issue? Is it safety, cover, and control? Uh, ultimately, the way it worked is that um, if if the men heard these vows and and didn't say anything about them, then that meant they were okay with them. It was good. If they said something about them, they weren't. Because ultimately, it would go and be the responsibility of the husband or father to make sure those things were carried out. And, and if they weren't, then the consequences would fall on the husband and father, uh, if they had gone along with it. So um, it, it, it's, it's not like um, women could certainly make vows and pledges, and, and they would be responsible for them. Uh, and and yet, because uh, the way it was set up, and the husband is the covering, or the father was the covering, um, they're ultimately responsible. And so, if it was something that they didn't agree with, they would like, no, no, I'm not not going to do that. I'm not. Don't feel like I'm going to cover that. Um, they could they could stop it, but in their silence, they would affirm it. So um, they would have to speak into it and deal with it when they heard it. At the time, it was made known to them. Um, in in this whole sort of journey, so so that's why because the consequence would ultimately fall on the father or husband if it wasn't if the vow or the pledge wasn't kept. Sort of like when someone asks my wife if I can fix their internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but uh, yeah, well, maybe not. But that's okay. probably not just like that. Yeah, and no, let's that's okay. you might want to edit that out. I don't, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Jokes are fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fix your internet. Yeah. So okay. Uh, sermon this weekend. What do we got? Are you ready? Part eight. Are you ready? You know, I'm jumping in. I'm going to do a deep dive into John chapter one, and I touched on a lot of it last week, but we'll go back into it. It's it's the prologue to John's gospel is really sort of a lens that opens all of scripture up, and John makes this connection. You know, right in the beginning, in the beginning it was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was what was God. He was with God in the beginning all the way through, and he jumps into that verse 14, and he became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacle. And right there in that 14 verses, he's, he's made this huge summary of basically Genesis 1 through Exodus 40. And, and when you get it, when you see it, it just opens up all the rest of it, which is what happens um, as these, these guys are starting to write the gospel story is that the scripture has been opened to them in a way that it hadn't before. And, and I think I said, you know, in John 2, uh, I think it's in John 2, when, when uh, Jesus goes to the temple and says, tear it down and build it back. And when the disciples, after the, the crucifixion and resurrection, that's, and it says, then the, these guys believed the scripture and all the words of Jesus. Then when they figured out what, that, what Jesus was saying, and then they realized what he meant, then all of a sudden the whole Bible opened up. And really, that's my heart for folks. There's, this, there's a point when, when you get the lens right that you're looking at the Bible with that it opens up like that. And I want that for everybody because it's life-giving. And, and it's so much more than just an old, you know, an old book. It's, it's amazing how, what God has done. But you have to have that lens to see it through. So um, I'll, be, I'll be talking more about that. 
It's going to be good. How, uh, how many parts do you have planned out for Are You Ready? I got no idea. It's just one of those, you just kind of go until you feel like you're I'm, done. I'm no. grooving into the summer now, and I, yeah. could, I could talk about this <laughs> easy till Christmas. Okay, well, are you ready for that? Yeah. Uh, worship this weekend, I'll give you a little sneak peek. Uh, we're actually starting off with a new song this weekend. I've had it in like the background loop here uh, in the, the house. It's called Heaven Invade by Carrie Job. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun song. It's going to be great. Uh, and then we're going to go into uh, Resurrection Power. That's a, a Brandon Lake song. We did a few months back, bringing it back. Uh, and then we're doing uh, Great I Am by Jared Anderson. That's a very powerful song. Looking wow. forward to that. It's 10 years old now. Can you believe it? Like the great I am. Yeah. That one? Yeah, that one. Did Ben used to do that one? Ben did it. Yeah, Renee's done it here. Uh, Diego's doing it this weekend. He's with us. And then uh, we'll follow into Jesus Paid It All, sort of a modern arrangement of that hymn. And we're going to end with I Thank God by Maverick City. So Good. Your mommy will be happy about that. Yeah, she, yeah, likes she, that song. she wanted that song. Uh, Reed keeps requesting Rattle again, so uh, maybe in a few weeks we'll do it again. But um, <laughs> Reed is my six-year-old son. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's what's on tap for this weekend. Good. On tap at the vineyard. That would be another good podcast. That, that, yeah, on tap at the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Tim, who I used to play gigs with, Tim Hollihan, uh, he always said that he wanted the band name to be Free Beer. So now at this place, Free Beer, and we'd be packed every night, but the Free Beer was the band. So Yeah. That, that's <laughs> I think that's an old joke. Amongst musicians, probably it's never the case. That's okay. Yeah, so. uh, it, it was always like it probably wouldn't work at church. No, no. Call the, call the worship free team. Free beer at the vineyard. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that would not be and do what we want. No. <laughs> Still a funny thought though. Did you see that sign? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. You know, I I, I like yeah. stuff that shakes people up, but even that's he, a little bit of a put it on wristbands. And yeah, every beer at the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're not doing that. So, on that note, goodbye, Vineyard. Goodbye, Vineyard. <laughs> See you. See you this weekend. Watch live. Okay.